When an army sees a chainsaw, they think, Oh, great. Now I need to go trim the tree in the backyard. But when we see a chainsaw, we think, Awesome! A new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie must be coming out. That's right. We will be talking about Texas Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise and a tribute to Gunnar Henson on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Normies. Took me half of that to like decipher what you said. Normies. I love that we live in a day and age now. It's like complete opposite from when we were in high school where we were the kind of the outsiders and we were called names like nerd, geek, which are which are um terms of of kingery around around this day and age. But like um but nowadays it's like the normal people get the stigma and get the get the put downs and they're called normies. normies. Yeah, you're a normie. How's everybody doing? Good. 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 Well, welcome. Good. Are we done? Good. Are we done? Good. It's good. We're good. Good. Are we ready? Yeah, we're good. Hey, so welcome everyone to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and with me is the podcast crew. Tonight we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, tragedy hit the horror community once again this year. God damn it. And we lost one of the greats, uh, Gunnar Hansen, the original Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, passed away here recently. And so we will be talking about him, but we don't want it to be a total downer show. And he doesn't have that big of a filmography, so we're also going to get into uh, the whole Texas Chainsaw franchise. Talk about our favorites from the series and go into all of that. But first, let's introduce you to the podcast crew. He's a hog bitch, Jason Bollinger. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Dang tootin'. Much like Matthew McConaughey, he also has a robot leg made from a vacuum cleaner. John Stalter. <laughs> Hi, everybody. You get the reference from the best of the franchise, uh, John. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <clears throat> and at the end of this episode, she's going to do the virgin dance of the double chainsaw, Terry Turford. Hey. I look forward. Hey. And we're hoping, um, oh, and no Dustin this episode, um, he will not be with us tonight, but we are hoping to have a special guest pop on here in a little while, and he better, because I wrote him a sweet-ass intro, and I'm pissed he's not here right now, so. What? I can't wait to hear it. It's the best one. I saved the best for last, and the mother effer isn't even here. So, I digress. So anyway, <laughs> a lot of digressing. Yeah, <laughs> you forgot so, what he was doing while he was digressing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, Gunnar Hansen, the original Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
um, passed away at the age of 68 here recently. And it sucks because, man, he's Leatherface. He's Bubba. Come Whoa. on. Bubba's got a girlfriend. That's part two. Sorry. <laughs> um, so just to kind of break it down, a little history here. Born March 4th, 1947 in Iceland, of all places. Uh, and moved to the United States at the age of five. Um, moved to Maine. And he would, he would constantly go back to Maine. So, like, Maine was this kind of, like, Maine favorite place. place. Yeah, nice. Uh-huh. And he uh, moved to Austin, Texas to go to school, go to college. And um, during that time, he saw an ad somewhere where they were casting for this movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he auditioned. And as he is quoted to say in the documentary, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Family Portrait, um, he got hired for the job because he filled the doorway. And so the rest, as they say, is history. So, Gunnar Hansen, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Thoughts? I think, I mean, it's still, it's still the best Leatherface, but you can't really, I mean... You can't say, I mean, it's the Leatherface, right? It's the original, so you can't say, oh, I prefer this one. I mean, yes, you can. But <laughs> Gunnar Hansen is is the Leatherface. He, his performance in that. <clears throat> He's what sparked all the other ones, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. And, but even, like, throughout the franchise, I saw a lot more innocence in his portrayal as Leatherface in the first one than than others that came after him. Yeah. Like, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, that moment where, um, right after, I think it's the first kill, the guy that gets the, uh, the mallet to the head and he slams the door, the metal door shut, which is like one of my favorite Ugh. moments in, oh, in horror cinema history. Sound. Yeah. Oh yeah. But there's that there's that shot later on um, in the film where he's sitting looking out the window and he's just he's like all like shaky and and fidgety and everything, and 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 it took me years to realize what's going on in that performance. I mean, when I saw the movie, I was. You know, in high school, I was in high school or junior high, somewhere in there, and and didn't fully grasp all the nuances that are going on in that film and the performances. But obviously, that that moment there, he's he's like scared, he's nervous, he 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 is scared, he's terrified about about you know where are these people coming from. You know, so right. what what were you gonna say, Terry? Well, I was just gonna give him major props. You know, we talk about. How of all of the slasher murderers that, uh, you know, most of them hide behind these masks and we're always like, oh, well, like Freddy Krueger, you know, he's the one, he gets to do all the acting and da 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 But he's like in a completely different universe because, you know, he uses his face, he has, you know, words to speak, not mm-hmm. just moans and groans or complete silence. But I think the fact that these actors who are in this they're just in head to toe costume yeah and they don't get to use their face and they don't get to use their voice that makes it even more difficult for them because mm-hmm. their physicality has to be turned up to 11 exactly, like and yeah. then some and 
I mean, it's subtle, but that's what's so great about it. Because, I mean, if you watch several, like, if you watch the same character portrayed by different actors, like, back to back, you'll notice the differences. And I just, I thought the way that Gunner carried himself, it was by far my favorite Leatherface, for sure. Definitely. Me too. And he's, I mean, just throughout the whole film... If you really, like you said, compare it to the other ones in the franchise, he's he's not like he's not like other killers where you know like a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers where everything is so is so um, um, machine like and smooth mm-hmm. and well orchestrated. He's he's pretty clumsy. He's kind of hunched over. You know, he's he's scared in a lot of scenes. Like when his his brother the cook is yelling at him and hitting him for tearing up the door look what you did to the door and uh, and all that so it's it's a much it's a much more raw performance i think which i really like so yeah definitely plays more up on the the innocence factor Mm -hmm. like you were saying earlier he's like a big excuse me big menacing child yes yeah absolutely lashing out when he needs to and but then yeah just kind of reverts back to being a child when after he's harmed somebody mhm but yeah he's just yeah he's just a big kid because i mean he is obviously mentally challenged and has god knows what issues and of course pretty much being abused by the family too yeah doesn't help so yeah and you got like his brothers there that it feels like they're kind of more aware of what they're doing and the evils that they're doing where where Leatherface never really realizes what he's doing is wrong. He's just trying to protect his home and his family and and right. follow his brother's <laughs> orders. Yeah, well, and he's never known any different. You know, he's yeah. never been exposed to the outside world. What his family has done, that's what he thinks is normal. Exactly. So he's just carrying on like any other day. Now, Jason, I know this is one of your all-time favorite horror movies, hands down. Yep. So what are your thoughts on on his performance of Leatherface? Oh, um, I like it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you guys said, all those things. Um, um I don't know what to add. You said it. Okay. <laughs> what... <laughs> Well, what what makes Texas Chainsaw stand out for you if it's one of your all-time favorite movies? For me, it's the filmmaking part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rawness of it, you know, that makes you feel hot and sweaty. The griminess, the family. the I like this movie because it's, like, set in set in our reality. Yeah. You know, like, in Nightmare on Elm Street, it isn't. I mean, it, it's supposed to be, but it isn't. You know, yeah. like, this This really made me scared to go to Texas for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, I, think it, Texas. I think it put a stigma on it. You know, like, it did what Jaws did for the water. and Hey, I'm from Texas, and, and I haven't killed anybody yet. Oh, and I... Once I... <laughs> finally went to texas i I went several times and i love i kind of like it down there but but for a while it was like <laughs> i don't i'm gonna skip it 
I'm going to skip Texas because I don't want to take a wrong turn. Yeah, after GPSs, then I was fine, you know, but <laughs> yeah. until yeah, then, I was a little scared. And then um, the score is really good. And yeah, it's just a unrelenting hot movie that comes off kind of documentary type in mm-hmm. a little bit. And it's just a fun little ride, and there's was nothing like it before, and heavily since. imitated since. So. Well, imitated since, but still nothing quite like it. Nobody is nobody's still really done such an experiment in the madness as that movie does. I mean, I can't think of another movie in in all of cinema that that puts you in the that works so hard to put you in the place of the main characters as this movie does. It's like you said. You watch this movie and you're feeling hot and sweaty. And when it gets to the dinner table scene and Sally is starting to kind of lose her mind from all the all this craziness that she's experiencing, the way that it's shot and it's cut and like you mentioned the score, which is which is really more than anything else a bunch of just like really ear piercing noises more than more than like a score. And and it really puts you in the place of Sally. They they really try to force you in there, like so much so they have like gigantic close up of her eyeballs, you know. <laughs> so I don't I don't think and you said heavily imitated, sure, but still nobody's really done what Toby did with that first movie. Not really. Yeah, nobody's been able to really duplicate that grittiness mm-hmm. that that movie had. For sure. I never, I mean, I've never heard anyone else say it, or I've never said it, or I, when I've said it, people don't uh, agree with me. But I, um, I remember uh, the Blair Witch. It its title sequences were incredibly similar. Um, yeah, you know, they're from the fonts to the the way the titles laid out. Um. To me, and the, and the music they were using on it, I thought, I haven't seen the movie forever, but I remember it being very Chainsaw-y, and then that, you know, could be the first, you know, a movie that brought back that real life, puts you in the mm-hmm. front seat yeah. possible feeling, so I thought that was always a, a very similar movie, sort of. In that, in in some ways, not in any way, every way. But. And would you guys say it's a disturbing movie? And if so, does the dis- the disturbing content of this film hold up today still? As far as as far as being a disturbing I would, film, I would say it in a way it's disturbing. Just the the family dynamics mm-hmm. and how it's not just one not one person doing all the killing or what have you. It's the whole family is involved. Yeah. And they just, it's normal to them. The the dinner scene where they're sitting around and, you know, with grandpa and everything, to, the, to them this is normal. And that's what makes it disturbing. Because to us it's just totally messed up. But to them it's everyday, it's an everyday meal. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you have just like all the disturbing imagery of the, all in the house. The house is such a mess and littered with like bones and 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 like lamps made out of human remains and 
Yeah, I think I still think it's a disturbing film, and I think the disturbing qualities of the film still hold up. But it's not an over-the-top, like, visceral experience. It's not in-your-face. It's not, like, an overly gory film. And that's what also makes this movie genius, is that he rides, Toby rides that line so fine that he makes you think that you saw a lot worse than you actually saw. And that, that's amazing filmmaking right there as well. Uh, Terry, do you have anything to add as far as as the film being a disturbing film? <laughs> I almost laughed at you when you asked that question. I Why? mean, um, how can this film not be fucking disturbing? Are you kidding? <laughs> do you know what the plot is? Like, um, hello? <laughs> yeah, it's fucking disturbing. Sure. Sure, I mean, it's not, you know, straight in your face, you know, blood spraying everywhere that we're so accustomed to, mm-hmm. but I think that's almost what makes it more disturbing, because it seems yes. more realistic, Yes. like, like more likely that it is it could happen, mm-hmm. or that we're watching something real unfolding. I mean, just bones laying around, and ugh, yeah, it's a little fucked up, Mike, I, I'd say yes. <laughs> Grandpa hanging out upstairs, you know. God. Ugh. Well, and I ask because we live in a day and age of movies yeah, like... I mean, I, I sort of well, feel desensitized. It's not like graphic yeah. necessarily. It's well, not... Yeah. It's really just this fucked up family, this isolated little family that's well, just a little off. Yeah, no, <laughs> Just I a little it. off. Like the Kardashians. Well, and I yeah, understand. it's pretty like, much I'm, like that. I'm looking at it from an outside They're both cannibal point. families. You know, we're so desensitized to so many things anymore. But, I mean, if you take a step back and just look just look at it from that standpoint, like, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a little <laughs> fucked up. Well, so, and then the reason why I, I bring it up and I, que- I questioned it, and I wanted you guys to help me answer it. I agree, I still think it's a disturbing movie, and the disturbing elements of this movie still hold up. <clears throat> you know, and we live in a day and age of, like, movies... Like a Serbian film, or Cannibal Holocaust, or um, I Spit on Your Grave, and what's martyrs. and Martyrs? Oh my God, <laughs> Martyrs! But and that's a and that's a great movie to bring up. My my point is like for me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If I were to make up a list, you know, top twenty five films, most disturbing films ever made, I would have Texas Chainsaw Massacre on there somewhere. But I guarantee it would probably be the only film on that list. That has legitimate repeat viewing value to me. Like I can pop yeah. in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and have a good time watching it. I shudder at the thought of putting Martyrs in and watching it for a second time. And, you know, and uh, Cannibal Holocaust. It's not like a movie I just pop in and let it play in the background kind of movie. You know, um, but but Texas Chainsaw Massacre still has a has a quality to it that lends itself for me a re- repeat viewing without feeling like you know, like you're gonna... dirty yeah exactly <laughs> yeah okay well it's still pretty fucking scary to me so whatever oh i agree <laughs> absolutely i'm not taking i don't want to take anything away from that i'm just saying it's got an equally awesome quality to it that um, oh well yeah yeah i mean it's just it's such an iconic movie and back in the day it was, it was something like we've discussed, it wasn't really done before. Do you think... It kind of set the standard. Do you think Wes Craven uh, ripped it off for Hills Have Eyes? I mean, it's an isolated, weird family. Some people stumble upon mm. their shit. 
Well, you want to know an inner. May have been inspired <laughs> a bit. Well, you, you you chuckle, but I I wonder more now that you bring it up because in my notes here, doing my research on Gunner, um, he turned down a he turned down a role for Hills Have Eyes. Hmm. So maybe. Well, and I imagine you know a lot of, a lot of filmmakers back then took inspiration from each other and. Oh sure. It's bound to happen, and I'm sure. I mean, there are too many. Uh, parallels for it to have not been a little bit inspired from it for sure sure i wouldn't doubt it it would be interesting to kind of go back and look because i wouldn't i wouldn't even be surprised if if uh there's an interview somewhere where wes even says that he did that it was because you know um last house on the left he's openly said that you know he was highly inspired by um virgin springs uh, for last house on the left so Again, a movie very similar in themes. So, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is awesome. Oh, anybody know the original? Um, what what Toby Hooper? What what Toby Hooper originally wanted to name the movie? Uh, you would ask that. I forgot. Head cheese. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I just wonder what. What kind of world we we'd be living in right now if Texas Chainsaw Massacre was originally named Head Cheese? Head Cheese. Hmm. Probably <laughs> wouldn't have any sequels. Hey John, you want to start a band called Head Cheese? Oh yeah, it's probably already been done. Let's do it. Oh yeah. Probably. Oh, I'm sure that's a band. <laughs> so yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We could probably do a whole show just talking about that movie, but we're not going to. Oh. We're gonna we're gonna move forth. Sally so, Forth, very nice segue. I was segue. just going to say that. Sally Forth. Ah. That was the other alternate title yeah. for the Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, you know what? I, 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 I fucked up, man. <laughs> I forgot to do Killer News. <laughs> you just, I, I wondered how long it would take. Is that real? I, I can't read that from here, dude. I, I'm yeah, the message. We're the like, mess- gotta leave this in the podcast at this point. <laughs> Oh, he will. He doesn't any edit any shit out. Yeah. God damn it. So, let's take a break from our Gunnar Hansen discussion. on this show. And get into some killer news. Now it's time for Killer News. Ripped straight from the headlines on attack on the Killer Podcast. This just in, and say my host of Attack of the Carol podcast is a dumbass for bringing killer news in the middle of the freaking episode. All right, well, there's some cool stuff going on in the new and in, in the world of horror right now. Um, Ash versus Evil Dead is oh my gosh. is uh, going strong. Now I've only watched the first episode, so no. Oh, spoilers. you didn't get to watch. Oh man, I still haven't oh, got a chance to watch the second one yet. But what do we think so far, guys? So. Good. It's exactly oh, what I wanted it to be. My God, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. It's I think amazing. it's flat out perfect. <sighs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I don't uh, even know. Like, uh, 
It's so funny. Mary's over there getting all hot and bothered. Yeah, by she's... The oh, my God. Don't even... Yeah. Oh, my God, Bruce. Oh, my God, Bruce. Oh, my God, Bruce. Even when he takes out his not teeth, even, you were still like, oh. It's not even just Bruce, Especially even though... when he took out his teeth. Bruce is looking... He's looking pretty good, even with his false teeth. Bruce, <laughs> oh, yeah. And his, uh... <laughs> and his, uh, garter. Yeah. 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 I'm like, He's just at the top of his so game, funny. and he looks awesome. And he's just—he fell right back into the Ash character, like he never left it. Like, oh my god, it's—it's it's amazing. And the first episode is Sam Raimi back in action. Yeah. Which? Oh yeah. Holy shit! I was like, oh my god, can they just make? A full-length movie of, out of this episode, like just it almost did. It was yeah, good. yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. My favorite moment is that is that scene with the two cops at the house, and that and that yeah. girl is all possessed, and her head turns around, and like oh, she's so sweet. That's so freaking up. now. You know, up to that point, you know, I, I'll <laughs> I'll be honest, and you guys are gonna yell at me for this. I was a little like feeling like this is a little my name is bruce going on it felt a little too on the side of of um almost a parody of ash and everything but as soon as that scene happened i was like okay this is evil dead this really feels like evil dead this is yeah. uh, this is a new millennium evil dead right here this oh, is yeah. what well, what we would love yeah. to have seen back in the 80s I mean, kind of before, you know, it's a lot of the initial setup in that first episode, and I can totally see where you'd get that, because the beginning is just completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's awesome, but it is just craziness. And then that detective story really brings a level of seriousness back into it, like along the side of the Ash story. Mm-hmm. I'm really waiting for those stories to intertwine. I'm mm-hmm. really excited for that. Um yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the whole I don't really want to give away too much for people who haven't seen it cuz I want them to live this as I lived this. <laughs> but She's the, so excited. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. I mean, surely if you're an Evil Dead fan, you've gotten your hands on this like at all costs. But yeah. like and I'm not sure <laughs> so I keep going no, on a million words, tangents in my words. brain. I'm sorry. Um, the way that the whole story behind why the deadites are coming back was so fucking perfect like I'm just gonna say it because I'm not gonna pussyfoot around it but the whole he pulls weed out of the book and he flashes back to the other night when he was partying with some chick and he's reading from the book to impress her and that's why they're coming back i'm like are you serious that is amazing it's It's so perfect such he's he's a he's a lovable dirtbag yeah he's a big man baby basically (laughs) man baby he is well you know i mean he hasn't had to deal with any of this shit for 30 years he's just fallen back into being this lazy stock boy at the local uh hardware store and whatever and then this shit comes back and he like instantly snaps back into it it's like the only thing ash has ever been good at the only thing and that is killing deadites yeah 
She's a pro. Yep. Just instantly gets cocky though, and like his oh, yeah. dirt baggy manly. <laughs> oh, so good. With the ladies. And I love um the supporting characters, Pablo and Kelly. Oh, Grown to love Pablo's those. Off, yeah. yeah. I really, I really like them for sure. Um, and they got a bit, a bit more of a role in the second one, the second episode yeah. as well, which was awesome. I love Mimi Rogers. Oh, she's so Yeah, that was awesome. I would, and apparently she did a lot of her own stunts for that. For really? The, yeah. Like there was a little behind the scenes clip behind, right after the episode and it was showing that she wanted to do as many of her stunts as she could. So that's amazing. That's cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, the first episode was directed by Sam. Yes. And then, do we know who directed the second one? Anybody? Oh, it was Michael something. I need okay. to look it up. Did it- did did it? I mean, like Sam has always had such a distinctive style. Mm-hmm. Did we feel that between the two episodes? Oh yeah, yep. I, 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 it's it's going to be very cohesive. I think. I think they were smart about who they picked to be involved. Uh-huh. Who would have the right vision? Okay. I don't think I don't think anybody's gonna have to worry. Yeah, I was a, I was kind of wondering how that was gonna was gonna go because the first episode is just so in much. your in yeah. your face, Sam Raimi. Like, oh, it's just the second episode. The even actually, probably felt like a better episode. Even to me, just because there was. Less, of it. less trying to cram in the story, yeah. and it was just um. simpler, but so fucking funny. Yeah, I oh, mean, man. it's it's still the same, and it's it's less Raimi, but it's still the same character, and it's following the the same tone. It's just less of his fancy camera tricks, basically. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, cool. I still loved it. No matter, it didn't matter to me. Awesome. Awesome. By the time this episode... I mean, he at, comes um, back to finish doing the chick in the bathroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean... Oh, my God. That... <laughs> that was like a five-minute that... scene of him doing that oh girl God. in the bathroom. <laughs> so crazy. And he's smacking her ass with his wooden hand. <laughs> like, do you like something like, you like my wood or something? I don't... Oh my god, there it, there were way too many one-liners in the first so episode many. to even count. Like, I will say, I was a little turned off by the um, the CGI doll scene, yeah, just because uh-huh. it was so so CGI. Like, yeah. I know they have to do that, and it looked good, but I it just there. I mean, there's bound to be more CGI because that's available now whereas they didn't really have all of those capabilities back then especially with the budgets they were working with Um, but they still do so much practical so much yeah it's a really i think it's a really good mixture of what they're getting at but that that one scene i just is like i don't want to look at this little demon doll anymore get it away from me (laughs) maybe that's just because i hate dolls though so something to do so what's worse though say Bad CGI like that doll scene, or bad um, uh, optical effects like the little ashes in Army of Darkness. 
I'd prefer the bat optical effects, but I'm just nostalgic for those movies, I guess. Because as much as I love the little Ash scene, the effects in that always felt really bad to me. Like and when they, awesome. When they, well, yeah, you you, you take Ash it with what awesome. You, you, you take it for what it is. I mean, it's it's army darkness. Yeah. So the bad effects, you know, it's acceptable. But I mean, my point is, is like, well, if we can accept that, why can't we accept bad CGI? Yeah, um, killer doll just, thing. And they've got it ramp it up a little bit for like n- new people who are watching it that maybe weren't as familiar with the old series and they're not nostalgic for all the bad crap that we're nostalgic for like they need it to be fresh and awesome effects and all that no shortage of gore yes. though oh yeah gore no. is awesome yeah. a lot of blood, blood. Oh, splatastic so good so good Awesome. Well, and it's already been renewed for a second season. Oh, that's sweet. the first episode even aired. Yeah, before it even aired, it was Outst- renewed. Outstanding. How does that work anyway? But probably just because there was so much fucking buzz for it, they're like, yeah. "There's no way that this is gonna fail." Like, no way. <laughs> awesome. 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 Oh, so happy that we have this now. Oh right? man, yeah. Like, I don't even care if it gets shitty at one point. Like, you keep giving me more Evil Dead and Ash. I'd, I'll take it. All of it. All of it. Not that it's ever going to get shitty. Because yeah. it won't ever. <laughs> wow. Okay. I think Terry likes it. I think so. I have a feeling. Oh my god. I'm like almost hyperventilating. <laughs> well, don't do that. <laughs> so good. Awesome. So what else we got in killer news here? Um, this is exciting. Uh, the Friday 13th video game crowdfunding um, was a success. So the game is going to be going into development. That's awesome. You know, it's such a... Oh, we live in such great times, man. Evil Dead is a TV show. Friday 13th is getting a really awesome video game and not some impossible-to-play <laughs> NES game. Um, what else is what else is in the news? The fans are also bringing back Mystery Science Theater 2000. Yeah, there's a, a Kickstarter for that. So Does somebody want to explain that? All these non-normies, <laughs> all these geeks, are finally getting some pull. Finally getting our way. Yeah. Against the normies who cancel our shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Freaking television execs canceling shows anyway um so yeah mystery science theory 3000 has started a kickstarter campaign to make new episodes but what is i mean what is the plan for these new episodes does it say in in the campaign at all yeah it kind of gives you a breakdown of everything um like they're pretty they raised over a million dollars on the first day that's fucking awesome that's crazy that is so insane but they have it broken down like they have different tiers of um funding so i think already they're to the point where they're definitely at least making three brand new episodes and the more money they raise the more episodes they'll be able to make and i think it was if they make it was like 5.5 million they can do a full 12-episode spread. 
And there's, I mean, um, I don't think it's going to be some of the same cast. There's a whole bunch of um, Joel breaks because he's the one heading it and getting it all funded. And he kind of broke down a bunch of the questions on their Kickstarter page. I didn't get a chance to look into it too in depth, but, you know, really answering everyone's questions, you know, like, why does it cost this much money to make a mystery science <laughs> theater episode, but you know, it, it makes hell. sense, you know, movie rights. And yeah. That's going to say is, a lot of that's got to be in the movie rights. Well, and, and he even goes to say, you know, like there's a cost to Kickstarter. Like you have to give them a small percentage and then all of the, um, prizes or whatever yeah. you get for funding. Like they have to fund that and, so he breaks it down and like with these sweet pie charts and everything to answer everyone's <laughs> questions. And <laughs> it's just, it's just going to be awesome. And I'm sure that it's going to get all the way to the, the top dollar amount well, and probably more. I would assume if it's a million dollars in the first day of the campaign. Yeah. And they've got a whole month to raise it. So I think. Jeebus. Probably, yeah. It's happening. Yeah. It's happening. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's very awesome, and it's going to be interesting to see what what they do get for a cast. Because when the show ended, the camps kind of split off in their own different, you know, things. Not that I don't think there was any bad blood between anybody or anything, but like Joel, right. Joel took his crew and they they started up Cinematic Titanic, and then Mike uh, and um, the two guys that do the robot voices they went off. And did, they did a uh, show, very short-lived show for, I think it was IFC, uh, called The Film Crew, which essentially is the exact same thing as Mystery Science Theater 3000. And then they've had huge success doing riff tracks for the past several years. So mm-hmm. um, so it'll be interesting to see who's going to come back for MST3K. Because, you know, mm-hmm. the two the two robots are with Mike and... In, you I know, think all the groups were promoting this, though. Yeah. Both both camps. All camps. I, yeah, yeah all camps. I, like I said, I don't think there's bad blood. It's just they, these guys want to do this their thing this way, and these other guys want to do their thing that way, and yeah. Well, and we can hope that we'll get as much of an original group as we can. I mean, I think just seeing the crazy turnout on the first day like if that doesn't inspire everyone to get back together and do this shit like i don't know i'd be inspired if i was one of them be like fuck yeah i'll do this shit (laughs) this this many people want want to fund this like that's amazing it'd be great it'd be awesome to have like episodes that had both joel and mike together Mm -hmm. that'd be freaking sweet closest thing we have to that was the episode mitchell which was the episode where Joel escaped from the satellite and Mike um, got sent up to the satellite. But I don't, th- I, I don't even think they have a scene together. Although I will say I, I'll, I'll backtrack this a little bit. Um, Mike was like a was like a uh, um, well, he was a writer on the show long before he became um, the main character on the show. But he also played a lot of the bit parts, like the Manos Hands of Fate episode he played torgo the pizza delivery guy at the end of end of the episode that delivers pizza really slowly to the mad scientist at the end um um he was also the amazing colossal man in that episode where the satellite of love bumps into the amazing colossal man eating plastic cows so 
So Mike is Mike's been involved with the show long before he was ever just the 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 host of the show. So it's almost two million and a half. Oh, that's awesome! Jesus. <laughs> and what? And what? How I mean? How long has the campaign been going on? Two days. Like two or three days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why can't we have that successful of Budcraft uh, fundraising? I wonder what they're going to do when they fund, like, $10 million. <laughs> Are they just going to go ahead and do two seasons worth of stuff? That would be that awesome. That would be awesome. That would be all, very awesome. <clears throat> now, I remember listening to a podcast not too long ago, and they posed the question, um, you know, because think about this with Mr. Science Theory 3000. This show started up like a whole wave of of cult fan films. Or, or like fan groups, like all these all these people who love bad movies now, bad good movies. I mean, like, would anybody give two rats about movies like Troll Two or um, The Room or Birdemic <laughs> if it wasn't for things like Mr. Science Theater Three Thousand? And this one podcast posed a question: Who had a bigger impact on cinema? Uh, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert and their show at the movies or Mr. Science Theater 3000. <laughs> and it was kind of like a it was like a fan question and and everybody was voting Mr. Science Theater 3000. But it's kind of true. Mhm. They introduced so many people to so many this this whole other world of movies. Yep. I mean, everybody knows about the good stuff. But then there's the truly, truly bad and the what the fuck stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my favorite episode of Mystery Science Theater is uh, Time of the Apes. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh my god, I my buddy and I have been consistently watching that since it aired. You know, however however many decades ago. But it, it kind of introduced me to the whole world of uh, Asian cinema. You know, the the bad oh, know, dubbing cool. and okay. stuff like that. Okay. It opened me up to a whole other world, and it's still, like, to me, it's the funniest episode ever. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also, I haven't seen every episode. I, I mean, I'm a fan of the show, but I'm not the biggest fan. But that that episode's always going to hold a place in my heart, trying and to, I highly recommend it. trying to think which ones are my favorites. I've always, always really loved Ega. I always thought that was a mm-hmm. really funny episode. Um, my favorite moments of that is there's a shot... Or these these people are taken off in a helicopter, and um, two of the characters are in the foreground of the shot with their backs to the camera, waving as the helicopter starts to take off. So the perspective of the shot, um, when they're waving their hands, it's at the height of the helicopter blades. So the robots start going, ah, oh, my hands, my hands! It's so funny. <laughs> but uh, I even got my son slightly interested in Mystery Science Theory 2000. We watched the Hobgoblins episode constantly. I can't get him to watch any other episode, but he <laughs> loves the Hobgoblins one. And he could even recite some... We've watched it so many times, he can even recite some of the lines that the robots say. It's crazy. So, that is awesome. Man! Now I want to watch the Mystery Science Theater. Kind of really do. What else we got in killer news? Well, since we uh, since our last episode, um, our big Halloween event, Halloween Palooza, has come and gone. So that was fun. 
So let's look back at <laughs> Halloween of Palooza. What are your thoughts uh, as one of the one of the uh, idiots who put on this event, Jason? What, what are your thoughts um, on how the event went? Uh, uh, what happened? Halloween of Palooza happened. All right. What are your thoughts on uh, how it went? Final mm. thoughts. I I think it was really fun. Mm-hmm. You got to work in one of the um, projection rooms for the film festival side. Yep. So, got to watch a lot of movies all day, right? Again, yes. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, we uh, yeah we had amazing films this year. We did last year too, but um, yeah, the the films, the quality of horror films we have at our film festival are outstanding. I I hope. You all can see them someday, uh, you know, once they become public and stuff, you know, like, hopefully we can help help show you them, because that if you didn't get to see them at the festival, because there's so many good films, it's very inspiring and hopeful that horror fans are still making movies, and, mm-hmm. and they just are all awesome, they're awesome. So besides the film festival, what was a highlight for the event for you, Jason? Um, I, I was trying to think of something funny, but I couldn't do it because I just got a headache when I was thinking about Halloween and Palooza. Um, <laughs> no, I the costume contest was awesome. Very awesome! Wow, the vendors were cool. There's this um, my, I mean all all the vendors were my favorite vendors. But there's this one creature comforts. Oh man, <laughs> they had the coolest shit. They did. You just gotta come and see it. It's the only way. Next mm-hmm. year, you better be there. Got myself a sweet set of Universal Monster drinking coasters. Right, lucky. Yeah. Got some sweet magnets. And I got myself a Friday Thirteenth throw pillow. It's pretty sweet. Lucky. I'm very lucky. Um, and then uh, everything was awesome. Everything was great. Uh. The celebrities were there and really cool, and they had fun and, and showed up late. Yeah, that's what they <laughs> that's do. One of them. Hey, just like right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sh- Hi, Justin. <laughs> Don't kill me. Um, but and then the bands were great, and then the the big climactic finish is always the best part: the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Led by Insane Mike himself. I went all out this year, too. <laughs> all out. It was awesome. I got to be on a microphone. and you did. So I didn't have to scream as loud as I usually have to. Yet you lost your voice quicker. Oh, That's my God. Weird. Right away. Just instantly. And here's the thing that people don't realize about, about Jason and myself. We've been friends for <laughs> a long, long, long time. Some say maybe too long because... And a lot of people say we share a brain. And nothing proved that to me more... Then during Rocky Horror Picture Show, when my voice already, just even right away during Damn It Janet, um, my voice starts cracking and stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this sucks. I need some water, or I'm not going to make it. it, We're just within the first ten minutes of the movie, and I'm starting to lose my voice. Jason is in the far back of the room. I give him a glance. He sees me. He stands up, walks out the room. And I'm thinking, he's getting me some water. Because I was trying to send him telepathically, like, get me some water, get me some water, help, help. 
And then here comes the two big glasses of water. I'm like, yes, I didn't have to say anything. He just knew. Yeah, I honestly, I didn't even see you look at me. Oh, really? I just heard oh. your voice crack out, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, he's up there by himself. And I know my man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Terry, you were there, you were a volunteer, and you were also a vendor there. Um, what was the hi- What was some highlights for you of Halloween at Palooza? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, um, the Hotel Atomwa was oh, yeah. such a great yeah. backdrop for that gathering. Like, I mean, not that the the Hall Mall was a bad spot for it, but I loved having it there. It was great. Yeah. Great atmosphere. Definitely felt much more convention-like. Um, and it, w- it was interesting being behind a vendor table that was I didn't I felt like I was always like I should be helping with something else but then I'd get stuck at my table like I wanted to be <laughs> running around but I kept getting stuck um gosh I don't know I mean it was it was fun I didn't get to venture too far from my table uh talk to um what was his name Jason Haxton the uh-huh. Dybbuk box guy yeah it was super nice and loved telling his story like i went up um my friend cat was there and and he had actually he brought the real dybbuk box it wasn't uh a replica as we thought it was going to be so my friend cat was there and she was terrified like she did not want to go up to that table (laughs) but she really wanted to get his book that he had there for one of her relatives for Christmas. And so I'm like, okay, cat, I'll go up to the table and I'll find out about the book for you. And I go up there and I ask him about the book and he just told me the entire story. <laughs> like, I just, like, I don't know, maybe he was lonely. He didn't seem like he was upset. Like, he was just so excited to tell the story. Like, and I heard him tell it so many times. But yeah, and that box was creepy <laughs> for sure. Um, Gosh, and Rocky Horror was amazing. I mean, and I feel like the energy for that that one has is better than the ones I've been to the past Frank couple Pete years. In it. Yeah. Oh my God, don't no. <laughs> it was awesome. It was the first time that I've I've done Rocky here at Halloween Palooza. It's our first year we had people show up in costume. Oh yeah. So, so it was really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, tons of people at the end of the night. Some were just general costumes. If you were actual characters, like there was even an Eddie, which was awesome. Yep. Because you don't really see that very much from the mm-hmm. ones I've been to. You know, the guys yeah. are kind of proud and they don't want to dress up and do stuff like that. But <laughs> it was sweet. Or when they do, they're usually just riffraff. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. John said he was going to come in his tidy whities next year, though. Sweet. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> oh, you guys are going to. Call the cops and throw it up. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Best night ever. So, Me and little John. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'll get that on the poster right away. Bum, bum. <laughs> so John, so you got to be there. You didn't get to um, hang out too long, but you got God, to be there know. as just a spectator. What did you think of Halloween Palooza? I I had a lot of fun. Uh, 
I, I was really impressed with the amount of vendors there and the the fact that you guys had two rooms playing movies. It was two mo- or two rooms, right? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I thought the hotel was really nice. It was a great setting. Uh, Terry had some awesome stuff for sale. Right? Oh, yeah. Totally walked home with some cool stuff there. Literally a stuff, you know, coaster. So that was awesome. <laughs> Oh, you got the stuff! Oh, I wanted the stuff oh, coaster. Oh, oh. for uh, thirty dollars. Well, no, <laughs> don't show up when we're packing up stuff. You didn't buy any of my stuff. Well, you know, <laughs> if you, when you pack up early, what? Can it, uh, no, I was packing up when I was supposed to pack up. <laughs> no, I kept selling myself. I'm like, I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna spend. You should feel take take comfort in the fact that you were the only table i bought anything from so there it's, it's true um but i kept telling myself throughout the day no i don't want to deal with that right now i don't want to i don't want to spend the money all this money right away but i want to make sure i get a little bit of something from every table um <laughs> and then and then it was like by the time i finally got to it everybody's already packed up or packing up and i'm like well i got it i had my eyes on so much stuff from your guys's tables like if I don't hit any of them, I've got to hit your guys's. So, and I can't wait to see what you guys have for next year too. Uh-huh. Yeah, nice little mini convention. Yep. Yay! It was a good Yay. time. Yep, keeps growing and growing and growing. So everybody out there listening, hopefully you'll be able to join us next year. Yeah, don't suck and go. <laughs> That's right. Says the guy who went for like two hours. <laughs> That's more than more than plenty of people. Yeah, but it was fun. Okay, and the last thing in killer news, and then we'll get back to our main topic already in progress. Um, a new documentary I'm super excited about. I oh, am no, Thor. No, you're not. You're insane, Mike. That's right. But the name of the movie is I Am Thor, a documentary of the amazing heavy metal band. From the eighties, Thor, with Thor, Michael, Michelson, I don't know his name, but Thor, yes, he who I, I love him in his cinematic world of like zombie nightmare and rock and roll nightmare. Is that him? Oh yeah, Yeah. that's Thor. Holy shit! Yeah, Uh, learn something new every day. Oh yeah, and this documentary looks. Amazing! It's put. It up, does. Yeah, it, it's put up. Now, have you ever really listened to um, Thor music, John? I know you're, you're oh, really no. in the middle. No. Okay. <laughs> no, actually, I haven't. But uh, it kind of seems like something I would have totally gone to see uh, back. Well, I'd probably see it now. Who am I kidding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love I love the music and I love him and everything. Uh, maybe in an ironic fashion, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, cause it's, it's definitely very eighties hair metal type of stuff. Well, it tries to be a little harder than that, but yeah, um, with, with more theatrics and stuff like that. Yeah. Which I totally appreciate. So kind of right off I the want. bat, it's already better than kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It has to be. Yeah. Take that Brandon. Sorry. <laughs> my, my buddy loves kiss. So he's going to hate me now. Good thing. Good thing. Justin's not on here right now. That's right. He loves kiss too. He does. Oh, yeah, just when you think he's cool, then he's I thought about having a beer with that guy. I don't know. I, What's I wrong with Kiss? Come on, everything. Uh, they are knights in Satan's service, Terry. <laughs> oh. I thought they were from outer space. 
Oh. Um, that doesn't spell kiss, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the movie's put out, the documentary's being put out by Dark Sky Films, so um, they've put out a lot of great stuff over the years in, in, in the genre we love so much. Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. And it, it it looks like it follows the story of, of Thor nowadays and trying to hold on to getting back to and holding on to his heavy metal career, like doing concerts again and stuff, and, and that quote in there about, like, the doctor says, if I keep doing this, it's going to kill me. And, you know, But he's still trying to do, and he's obviously way more out of shape than he was back then. I mean, he was a bodybuilder, for crying out loud, yeah. when he started doing heavy metal. So to say he's out of shape compared to what he was then is is you know is not an insult per se that that physique had would have to be hard to maintain throughout the years especially once you just kind of drop out of everything but anyway he's always trying to get he's trying to get the glory days back and 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 relive it and stuff but he's still trying to do just as hardcore as he did back then like the blowing up the the uh water with the uh water bottle gag which was kind of like his calling card he would do that in concert all the time because like, look how tough i am i can blow up a water water bottle and you see him do it nowadays and he's like getting winded and doesn't almost passes out when he's chewing it right before it pops and <laughs> so and then the, and then to see him like perform now in front of like six or seven people that show up for a show and whatever, and which makes you feel good about when we have some of our movies play it, playing at certain festivals and only ten people show up to watch it. So I feel a little bit better when somebody like Thor can't get people to show up to his shows either. So, but it also looked like it didn't. It wasn't trying to make him look bad. Oh no! It was just you know. A, supportive look at this guy trying to do something yeah absolutely so that'll make me want to watch it more you know instead of just yeah trying to pick on the guy mm-hmm. so even though he deserves it because rock and roll nightmare is one of the worst movies ever fucking oh made that's why it's awesome no awesome thank you worst. you're you're outvoted god i hate that <laughs> you're movie. Uh, i love rock and roll nightmare and you need to see Zombie Nightmare too, Jason. And I'll I'll go well, easy on you because there's an MST3K of that of uh, Zombie Nightmare. So okay, well that wraps up killer news, guys. Wow, well, good. Let's start the show. So let's start the show again. talking about uh, Gunnar Hansen. <laughs> no, don't don't pull back the curtain, Terry. Jason's gonna fix this in post, right? Uh-huh. No. Yeah. No, no. Sure. Damn it. Okay, so where were we? We were talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So after Texas Chainsaw, um, well, real quick, uh, looks like John, you have to take off, eh? Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, eh? Eh? Don't you know? <laughs> okay then. All right. Well, I was gonna say it was great having you on until you made fun of the way I talk. So. Um, <laughs> Well, those are, there goes our Canadian fan base. Yeah, you just ruined it. Sorry, guys. Eh? <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, John. All right. Later, guys. Bye. See ya. Okay. So anyway, so after Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
Uh, the next film Gunnar Hansen did was in 1977 called Demon Lover, which is a movie I've I've never seen, but I'm obsessed with because I want to see it because it also um, is is notably a very 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 bad movie. And there's even a really cool documentary out there. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I honestly don't remember the name of it, but there's a documentary about the filming of the of. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, the film about the filming of Demon Lover. I'm gonna start like requesting we don't surf the internet while I'm trying to talk. But Justin's high school picture is so funny. He's so cute. Yeah, the senior picture. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, so there was a documentary and just. Hearing about all the horror stories that went into the making of this movie, these people that made this movie had no idea what they were doing. And they got Gunnar Hansen to be in this movie. And Gunnar Hansen, um, um, if I remember right, he was only supposed to shoot like uh, two days. He had a two-day shoot that lasted two weeks. And it even got so bad at one point where he kind of just took over and told and told them where to put the camera because they couldn't figure out where to put the camera for certain shots. So Gunner had to t- kind of take over, kind of kind of had to direct his own scenes in a way. So I've always heard because of the experiences on Demon Lover, that was the motivation for him to quit acting. So after Demon Lover, he he dropped out of acting for a long time. Now doing research for this episode, Everybody is. Everybody says, you know, like IMDb, Wikipedia, and everything that I've I've read said that he he quit to pursue his writing career. What he originally wanted to be in the first place was a writer, and doesn't really mention anything about the bad experiences on Demon Lover. But I had heard for years that he said fuck this and quit acting because of of Demon Lover. So it wasn't until 11 years later, in 1988, when he did Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, where he finally comes back to acting and does Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Directed by Fred Olin Olin Ray, um, starring Gunnar Henson, Michelle Bauer, and, that's right, Linnea Quigley. Um, Terry, have you ever seen Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers? I haven't. I I was going to try to get my hands on it, because I saw that... Both him and Linnea were in it, but I did not. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how. I mean, I don't know how easy it is to to find um, in the digital world, but uh, of course, I have it on DVD because <laughs> I love it. It's a good movie, and I'm a Fred Olin Ray fan. I have a lot of Fred Olin Ray movies, and my favorite era of Fred Olin Ray is the stuff he was doing in the '80s around the time of Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. So, but. Um, <clears throat> I just want to talk to Fred Owen Ray um, and ask him, how in the hell did he get Gunnar Henson to come back to acting? After 11 years of giving up on an acting career, after having horrible experiences on on Demon Lover, and I guarantee um, Fred Fred Owen Ray's production had no more money behind it than Demon Lover. So how in the hell? Because I would say on the outside, like Gunnar Henson, probably not familiar with Fred Olin Ray, probably not familiar with Fred's films and the success rate that Fred has had in making films over the over the years. 
and just saw on the outside and what the production would the, what the production would look like, and it would it would be very reminiscent of what he had to go through with Demon Lover, and I just want to know how that happened. How did you talk Gunnar Hansen into doing Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers after giving up on acting? And even still, after Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, it was still almost another decade before he acted again. Now, the, the problem with Gunner's filmography, it is a lot of, like, direct-to-video, you know, garbage that even I haven't seen the majority of his of his filmography and don't know if I really care to. I found one of them on YouTube today, um, Campfire Stories, that I tried watching. I just could not get through it. Could not watch it, so. So... Any movies in that time frame, Terry, that you've seen? Uh, besides, no. yeah. unfortunately, I'm pretty sure the only thing in his filmography that I've really seen was Texas Chainsaw. Fair. I didn't recognize anything else. And fair enough. There's only other one other that I can that I can address, and I freaking love it. Love. And he steals the show, which is, which is, a true testament to him because. There's a lot of great performers in this movie, and that is um, Brutal Massacre. Oh, yeah, I really wanted to watch that, but I couldn't find it. Uh, yeah, it is kind of hard to find. I'll have to let you borrow it, Terry. You've got to see this movie. It's hilarious. It's 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 Spinal Tap of horror movie making. Yeah, I, I've heard really good things about it, for sure. Yeah, David Naughton from American War of London, he plays the director in it. He's awesome. It's got two, two of the women from the original Evil Dead. What? Yep. Terry. Um, two? Two of them. The, oh, I'm forgetting her name. Um, the woman that played his, played Ash's sister. Um, oh, that, she was in My Name is Bruce. Yeah. Um, Fucking shitbird. That's not her name. That's not it. No. Um. <laughs> Close, but it's not. She plays the um, the uh, pr- producer, um, production director, whatever uh, in the in the movie, and she is awesome in it too. It's like one of the best things she's ever done. I think um, she's really really funny in it. And then and then the other um, that played. Ash's girlfriend, the original Evil Dead, plays the casting director in this movie, and she's got some really funny stuff too. It's Ellen also... Sandweiss. Yes, Sorry. there you go. Oh, I that's had to fine. Find it, or I was gonna freak out. That's that's not a problem. <laughs> Thank you for that. It was gonna drive me nuts too. <clears throat> and then it also has Brian O'Halloran from Clerks. He's in it. He plays the assistant director, and he's really funny in it. It's got Ken Foray in it. Playing the key, playing the key grip, he's got some great scenes. I cannot remember the actor's name, but the um, the um, the uh, the older guy with the goatee um, from Forty Year Old Virgin. I don't remember what ethnicity he is. Oh, the Indian guy. <laughs> yeah, the Indian Indian guy. He's in it, and he plays the director of photography, and even he's got some great 
some really great moments in it. So this movie is just full of really kick-ass cool people, all really getting a great chance to shine and show that they've got some great comedy chops. But seriously, and Gunnar Henson steals this movie. He plays a local redneck weirdo that they end up renting his farmhouse to make the movie to make, to make the movie in. So he's only got like a few scenes, but his scenes are just gold. He is so funny, and he's just hitting on all the women in the movie, and like, you know, calls them sugar tits and this, that, and the other thing. And I quote this. I quote his lines constantly to Jason all the time. Jason, yeah, I'll like, just ask you a question. Oh, hey, do you want me? Is it okay if I do this? Say, I don't. I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to tear the fucker down anyway and build a new one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so is that why you call Jason Sugar Tits all the time? That is that exactly is why I call him Sugar Tits. <laughs> well, and. Well, and there's the fact that his tits are made of sugar. Anyway. <laughs> so. I highly recommend. Please I know- go on. <laughs> <laughs> just, just continue. <laughs> And I know I've gushed over this movie before on this on this show, um, but I don't care. It, especially since we're talking about Gunner, because he is he is so funny in this movie. I highly recommend if you could find it to anybody out there. A Brutal Massacre, really really funny movie. And and it's just great being filmmakers ourselves watching this movie because it's just like Spinal Tap again, like musicians over the years would watch Spinal Tap and be like, yep, that's exactly what it's like. We watch Brutal Massacre and we're like, yep, that's what it's like making a fucking movie when you have no money and everything is against you. So, lots of fun. Very funny, very funny movie. So then, that's really it for my knowledge of his filmography. Jason, you want to add anything of the films that you've seen? I know you've seen... Well, yeah, then there's obviously the one you're forgetting. Damn it. Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, I was just going to say that. And the best part, listening to you guys talk about his scene in the original about Leatherface sitting in the chair looking out the window. This mm-hmm. fucking remake, this or not remake, the sequel yeah. to the original. He is... Gunner is sitting... Yeah. In the chair, looking out the window, in the same fucking spot, the same. Oh, it's yeah. so fucking good. And it's cool because like they they kind of bill him as the head of the family in in Texas Chainsaw 3D because he's like um, Boss Sawyer is his uh-huh. character name in it. So <clears throat> yeah, so very freaking so cool, cool that he. And it's kind of cool. There's one other movie that IMDb um, noted that he was in this year. That again, I've never heard of. But before that was Texas Chainsaw 3D, so it's kind of cool that the beginning of his career and the end of his career is is bookmarked with uh, t- with Chainsaw Massacre. So, yeah, very cool. But he gets like two billings in that movie because he gets billed for like as Leatherface, and when they use the original footage at the beginning of the movie, yeah, the beginning credits, yeah. which lo- which looked awesome in 3D when we saw it in theaters. In the theater, yeah, what a treat! None of us knew it was coming. No, no. I just never. So we had no expectations it. going into that movie. I'll just never forget it. Just getting to see it start with the end of one, and oh man, I don't never care what have thought. And I don't care what anybody says. I love that movie. It's so good. It's amazing. I just watched it again a few weeks ago, and 
It is so good. So it still holds out. I love it. It's a perfect sequel 30 years later. And I know we've said this before on the show before, too. 40 years later. And we can get, yeah. And we will definitely get into it when we get into more of the Chainsaw films. But what is great about that one as well is, like, if you go back and watch every single Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, there is a formula to it, and they hit those beats Every single time. There's always a dinner scene. There's always a final chase scene. But this movie completely broke the mold of all that. There's no dinner scene. There's no mystery mystery family member that's been hanging out with him this whole time or anything like that. And you think you're going to see those things, too. Like that, the hitchhiker that they pick up in this movie. This turns out to be a guy that just wants to rip him off. There's no association with the family whatsoever. But you, as as a Texas Chainsaw fan, I'm sitting there like, this guy's going to be revealed as a family member, blah, blah. I've seen it a billion times before. And and they didn't go in that direction. And that's another thing I really appreciate about that movie is they really did not follow any of the beats of what you see every single time in a Texas Chainsaw film. So, Terry, did you see Texas Chainsaw 3D? Fuck Yeah. <laughs> And your thoughts? <laughs> that was a segue um, for you to talk about awesome. it. <laughs> yeah, so... I, yeah, go ahead. I, uh, someone posted something not long after it had been released on video um, about how stupid it was on Facebook and I about gave them the smackdown. Mm-hmm. I was like, you take it back. Yeah, <laughs> and then delete them instantly. You. Yeah. I might have actually unfriended them because I didn't really like them anyway. Good call. <laughs> That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yep. <laughs> no, it's it's great. Um, I don't. I've it's it's not. I don't think has any other franchise ever done something like that, done a direct mm-hmm. sequel like that so far apart from each other. I don't think I've With ever. With so that. much respect to the original. Yeah. See, you can almost say that about like Halloween H two O. So that's Almost. what they were trying to do, but not as successful as this. And no, no way. Yeah, and not. Uh, I mean, again, a huge gap between the two films, and just the whole idea of like, you know, hey, we can do this and we can do the movie we want because by this point, that would be like saying they made Halloween H two O after they made the two Rob Zombie Halloween movies, like. Right. You know, because we've had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake and sequel to or prequel to the remake after that, which rewrites everything. Mm-hmm. And you think anything that's going to follow that is going to stick to that. But no, this is like, yeah, we're throwing everything yeah. out um, and go jump all the way back to 1974 and do a sequel to that. Yeah, it's just unheard of, but it was awesome, you know, and I think it's what fans were really craving, and that's just, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I want to see more, though, from that timeline, from that storyline. Yeah, with, um, I don't remember the character's name. Yeah, Alexandra Daddario, her character. Sugar tits. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Now that she now she's yeah, accepted the, being a part of the family and taking care of Leatherface, uh, and it's like, where yeah. where's that going to go? And I thought I, I thought that's what we were going to get, but I guess we're not, right? Oh yeah, because yeah. then out there making they Leatherface. Told, I thought there was a three picture like plan 
for this. That's I thought so too. I and was t- and it was it made decent money in one of the worst months to release movies, January. Wasn't yeah. it January or February? Regardless, that's usually a dumping ground for movies that they don't know what to do with because nobody goes to the movies during that time. That movie made money. It was like the number one grossing movie of that month. Yeah, but now this new one is supposed to be more of a prequel. And I'll be excited for it, too. Sure. Sure. But, man, I was really pumped to see the new family with kind of an old aging leather face Mm -hmm. and a... New kind of attractive protector, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> and I, who, oh, who now will do nudity? Oh, you didn't say me in my sentence. Okay, Terry, you go ahead. <laughs> Anybody Finish can go you. ahead. I'm sorry. Um. Well, I was I, I, I like where they left it though. At the same time, like yeah. I think getting more from that family would be really cool, and I would be more than welcoming to that, but. I'm not butthurt with where they left it either. No. I still, though, have a theory that that sheriff is is in on it, too, that he's part of the family. Hmm. That's my fan really? theory. Oh. Um, just because, like, he he is way too, like, accepting of this family. Like, he's kind of trying to protect them at the beginning, and then he lets Leatherface do his thing right there at the end, too. Well, I mean, with eight, sixteen years of putting up with Fuckface's bullshit, you know, like, mm-hmm. any chance to let him die? Oh, I agree. Great. Yeah, and and it would be acceptable if it was just that. When he's always kind of been a friend. I just, know? again, I just have my fan theory that if we were to see this continue... That, you know, and I guess this is just because, like, there's always... What? You're always writing fan Well, yeah, that too. too. (laughs) But if Texas Chainsaw, the franchise, has taught us anything, is that there's there's a hidden family member somewhere, you know? There's always one. So, like, to me, it's the sheriff in this one. You know, and then this whole storyline, too, sets up that there's there's two families in this bloodline or whatever. There's the Sawyers and the what was the what was the other one? Uh, starts with the C, maybe. Mm, <laughs> I don't remember. Eh. Oh well. Whatever her I'm last name was. Definitely not editing yeah. that out. Or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yay! That one's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe we will still get something down the line. I, is it is it the same people who are making? the prequel i don't even know now i don't even know either well again that's what's great about texas chainsaw 3d is that it's now open doors to anything is possible like somebody can turn around and say hey i'm gonna make a sequel to texas chainsaw massacre part two the original part two and uh, and and it could and it could happen like if you before it had been like that that would never happen we live uh, in a world happen. now. Yeah, we're in a world now that yeah, forty years that later you can. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm looking at the IMDb, and Lily Taylor is oh. one of the main cast members for Leatherface, as well as mm. Stephen Dorff. Oh. Oh, nice. Yeah, those are some two pretty decent names there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very awesome. 
Sweet. Yeah, I was hoping maybe we could do, um, in the spirit of Shia LaBeouf, um, we could go backwards through the chronology of the horror of the Chainsaw movies like he's doing, watching his movies from earliest to oldest. But can we do it just like that, though? <laughs> just sit here and stare at the screen, not say anything? He's watching the movie. Yeah. Somebody wants to listen to us watch a movie. I guess they do. We do that with commentary episodes, don't That's we? That's true. <laughs> okay, so, okay, let's do that then. Um, this will be fun to try to remember the order backwards. There's, it's, it's not that hard. Anything else we want to talk about 3D before we Fucking amazing. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. Is it still on Netflix? I don't know. I've got Blu-ray, bitches. That's right. Get it. Yeah, Blu-ray. Awesome. That speaks words because I don't... That speaks words? What is that? That's the only <laughs> way to speak, Terry. <laughs> How else but are you I, speaking? It, <laughs> I, don't really, words. I don't really buy movies that often. I fucking bought that shit. That's like, awesome. Cool. Shortly after watching it, I'm like, I must own this movie. So, Yeah. You know, I, I know I'm just an old man. Yeah. A bitter, yeah, a bitter old man. But <laughs> I don't get I don't get the charge that I used to get back in the day when I see movies anymore. And you know, it's easy to blame the movies, but you know, that some of that's on me. But I have not been as energized at getting out of a movie as I was when we saw Texas Chainsaw 3D. And I think we stood in the parking lot. And I just, like, screamed about it for, like, a good half hour before we got in the car and left. With my poor daughter in the back seat waiting for us to leave. Yeah. So awesome. You get that excited about movies still. Last The last time before that I can think of would have been Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, horror movies? And even after the sixth or seventh time of seeing Freddy vs. Jason, I was just as energized every yeah. time. Every single time. Yep. Guardians of the Galaxy, you're pretty fucking boner. That's for. true. Yeah, that one was. Yeah, you're right. Any it still of, happens. Almost, almost any of the Marvel stuff. Ant Man, I felt pretty cool about. You know. I still haven't seen that. Oh, that's got Paul Rudd, right? Yeah, Paul I Rudd. I liked Paul Rudd. Why haven't I fucking seen it? That's... Paul Rudd is hot. Okay. Oh yeah. See if if Paul uh, Rudd and Bruce Campbell did a movie together. Oh my god. <laughs> As <Don't>. brothers. <laughs> what? Actually, that would be kind of It kind of, of would almost work, right? I'm working huh. on script. Hollywood. That's it. it. They could do... They can do, you know, Ash versus Halloween. You know? <laughs> and Paul Rudd can reprise his role from The Curse of Michael Myers. <laughs> Shit just rates itself. Anyway, so going backwards, then we have the. I text- haven't seen the beginning. I still no. haven't seen the beginning either, and I own it. No. So do I. So none yeah, of us have seen it. Okay. I've seen it. Oh, you have? I think I talked about it yeah. not too long ago about how I thought it was kind of dumb. Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't really even remember all that much about it, to be perfectly honest. Fair enough. We can keep going backwards then. Yep. Because then you have the um, Platinum, Platinum Dunes Atrocity, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. I, I mean, 
it's not nearly as good as the original, obviously, but I didn't hate it. No, and again, again, the th- to sit here and say, we're remaking Tested Chainsaw Massacre. It's a movie that... Has always you, been remade. You're not well. Yeah, you want to talk about a franchise that has no continuity whatsoever. Texas Chainsaw is the the, the worst, worst for it. Every movie is literally somebody <laughs> else telling the story over again. Yeah. You know, or their interpretation of this family or whatever, and and so that's why it can be forgiving to have like remakes or a sequel to the original movie forty years later or whatever. You know. Yeah, it's very true. They don't really continue this story all that much Mm-mm. in most of them. And maybe that's what was so great about Texas Texas Chainsaw 3D was that you mm-hmm. get, you know, a more of a continuation than you ever have before. Mhm. Yep, absolutely. So so the the remake and again saying saying that we are remaking Touch the Chance of Massacre. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you you can't remake what Toby Hooper did in that film. So really, you're just you're just retelling the Texas Chainsaw story. So, right. but I, I'm getting into stupid semantics on the terms remake <laughs> and all that stuff, which all those all those ideas piss me off anyway. It's not a remake; it's a reimagining. It's a retelling. Yeah, fuck all that. Come on, whatever. Yeah, it's a reboot. I'm getting. I'm so annoyed by that shit. So let's not talk about it. No, we won't. So the Platinum (laughs) Dunes, Texas Chainsaw. Did you ever finally watch it? No, still haven't. No. Okay. I know it was on your agenda at one point. Yeah, you guys eventually talked me into it. Yeah, it's really. I mean, I I didn't mind it that much. I, I really like Jessica Biel. Like, she's always been a pretty strong actress. But maybe know. today, when this episode comes out on Friday Thirteenth, I'll watch some Chainsaw what? just to make. Yeah, that's right. Make it all. Yeah, I keep right. forgetting that it's Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, why today? Yeah, I'm an idiot. Today, why don't we do on a Friday right. Thirteenth episode? You guys gotta you remind me of this shit. You gotta look at a calendar once in a while. I do. I just didn't. I, wait, is oh wait? Let's just one quick question. What's your favorite horror movie franchise? Okay, moving on. George, George Romero's <laughs> oh, zombie oh. trilogy. That's uh, all right. Fine. That's okay. I feel just like we just hot. didn't we just do a Friday the Thirteenth franchise episode on the one of the past Friday the Thirteenth. I feel like uh, we've we talked a lot think... about Chainsaw. But... Yeah, this is all starting to kind of flash back to me as we're talking about Chainsaw. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> did we already lot, do this? Fans out there listening, will you help us uh, transcribe these episodes so we don't do this again? Start repeating our shit. Um, but I don't think we've ever done a full-on Friday Thirteenth episode. Are you sure? <laughs> no, I'm honestly not. not sure I'm not sure about anything. Uh, what did we even do in the last episode? I don't know. Oh my god! <clears throat> Actually, no. Special. Actually, I'm kidding. That episode is awesome. I have listened, listened to the to whole it. thing. I love it. If you listen to, to it, listen. Terry. Yeah. Terry, you're, what? you win on that. You're a winner. Oh it's so much fun. Don't make me <laughs> don't make me play a game during this episode. <laughs> yeah, because you're going against me, Terry. You're in trouble. If you play that tagline game, I'm still oh, undefeated. That's true. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to break me at Halloween Palooza, and I kept winning, and I, it was pissing him off so bad. That's pissing me off. <laughs> oh, you should have you should have been there when we played the in the trivia because it was hilarious. I had Justin in there helping me, and we were just. And it got to the point that every time I read one of my fake taglines, I couldn't stop from smiling or laughing. So everybody instantly knew it was a fake one. Yeah. <laughs> Justin and I just kept cracking up at my stupid ones that I wrote. So, yeah, it, it, that was fun. Anyway. I think, I think I've just come to know you well enough to know which ones you made up. Like, I could just kind of tell. <laughs> Like every time's like just uh, Justin's like, yeah, this is one that uh, Mike's probably gonna use for his next movie, and I'm like, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, well, yeah, I don't have much to say about the Plant and Dunes one. I need to revisit it. Yeah, I, me too. It's been a really long time. I've been known to be on record of highly hating it, and there's still things in my mind that I really dislike about it. There's some be good open. stuff too, though. Yeah, be open to it. Oh, it's I not will. That bad. It's not that bad. I will. I'll tell you <laughs> what. That opening scene where the girl shoots herself and the camera goes through yeah. the bullet wound is freaking awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Leatherface gets his arm chopped off with a hatchet when in one blow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. I don't even remember that. It's been so long. Hence why they had to make a prequel because you can't make a sequel with one-armed Leatherface? <laughs> you could, and they should have, but they thought sweet. they couldn't. Yeah, I know, right? Do you know? pull an ash and, like, attach yeah, it. attach it. Attach <laughs> that shit. Anyway, um, so then before uh, the Plant of Dunes movie was the amazing Next Generation. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I actually watched that one not that long. Like, within the last couple of years, I sat down and watched that with Nalani, I think. <laughs> and you know, it's it's pretty Why bad. Why would you do that? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty bad, but I didn't completely hate Matthew McConaughey's performance. I didn't even hate the movie that much until it's, the yeah. end. And then I just ruined the whole thing. I got so pissed off about the dudes in the car with the tattoos and the shit. The ending where it's all government conspiracy yeah, or shit. Whatever. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Or Leatherface and full-on drag running through the field. Yeah. Like, I get it. There's definitely some transvestitism going on with Leatherface. In the first movie, he wears a women's face in the dinner scene. But it looked really ridiculous seeing Leatherface in a full-on dress. Not Didn't not scary me. or intimidating at all. Just mommy issues. You know, <laughs> psycho, base motel. And then some of the performances are just so way off of the teens. Or just Some of those performances are horrible. Yeah. Um, even Renee Zellweger doesn't uh, uh, full on acting chops. The continuity is horrible in that movie. And It is so bad. Oh. Horrible. Like, when we were just sitting there watching it for the first time and, like, picking them out, like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so bad. Especially in the costumes, like, just not keeping track of what you'd already done at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, Next Generation, not, not a good film in the franchise. 
Only Star Trek. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Next Generation only works in the Star Trek universe. Not in- That's right. So then before that was Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3? Heavy Metal Leatherface. Heavy Metal Leatherface, yeah. I love that one. Love it. I have loved that one since I first saw it in theater. Same. Yeah. The soundtrack is awesome, all that heavy metal music. And I was going to ask this question earlier when John was on. Uh, which which is a we better... We don't talk to him anymore. What's that? But we don't talk to him anymore. That's right. Which is a better, which is a better Texas Chainsaw Massacre song? Chainsaw by the Ramones or Leatherface by what's that band's name? I have it written down here somewhere. Um should have found it before you started the question. No, no, this is fine. This is makes for good uh good podcasting. Dramatic pause. Yeah. Laz Laz Rocket, I believe is the band's name. That song is awesome. I mean, I used to listen to that soundtrack all the freaking time after that movie came out. And mostly for that song, too. <clears throat> but the Ramon song's good, too. Even though they mispronounced the word massacre. <laughs> That's their accent. Well, I think it's because they were trying to get it to rhyme. So they call it Massacre. <laughs> Anyway, but, uh, yeah, Heavy Metal. Now, you want to talk about a different Leatherface. Part 3, I think, has the most unique Leatherface on the entire franchise. Because all of them really try to try to tap in as part of that innocent level we were talking about before. The mentally challenged thing. But this Leatherface is just it's so much more of a, um, of a just mean, super mean-spirited... Leatherface, an angry Leatherface, very angry Leatherface. Like, he attacks his own family members in this movie. Like, the scene where, um, was it, um, was it the Lord of the Rings guy? Vigo? Was it Vigo that takes his, uh, Walkman away from him and puts it in the oven? And Leatherface grabs him by the back of the neck and grabs his arm and makes him reach and shoves the guy's arm into the oven to. Get the uh, Walkman back out of the oven. You guys with me on yeah, this? Like yeah. Vigo, Terry. Uh, I. This is the one I've actually not seen. Really? Oh, I would love for you to see this one. I'd be really curious to see what you think about it. Because, again, it's just. It's totally different. It's a lot. It's a lot more. It's a very 80s style. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Um, it definitely f- seems to follow a little bit more into the 80s slasher than any of the others in the franchise. Again, Leatherface um, isn't as innocent as he is in the other ones. He's a lot meaner and more brooding. And it's interesting. It's the only one in the franchise that has ever, um, ever acknowledged the damage Leatherface did to his leg in the first movie, because he walks around with a with a metal brace on his leg through the whole movie. So when he's chasing people, he's walking. So he's very Jason Voorhees and, and Michael Myers in that manner, which I think is the direction that we're really trying to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just chase Because, again, he's even in the woods chasing people. Yeah. This isn't like, you know, Texas... I mean, it's Texas, but it, it felt a lot more like... Texas Chainsaw the 13th. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. 
and and it's just got all the all the glitz and the glamour of like of 80 slashes of that day so much so like he's got what they referred to as the Excalibur chainsaw. Oh fucking awesome. It's a freaking awesome chainsaw. I want that on our mantle, dude. <laughs> oh my so... god. But the thing is is it wouldn't fit on the mantle <laughs> because that blade is about like what? Like it's 5 like, feet long. Yeah. Like incredible. huge honking ass blade. That's got these like spiky things I'm on. In love with that thing. I on the bait. Oh yeah. yeah, and it's like all chrome looking, and it's got this beautiful <laughs> stencil on the side of it that says "Saw's Family." That's so yeah, cool. I see it on the poster here. That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, you should check out the trailer for it. It's one of the coolest trailers ever <laughs> in horror history too, because it just starts off. You see the back of Leatherface, but you're not sure who it is yet, and like the announcer's like. Through, through, through time, blah 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 blah, <laughs> and then like you see this chainsaw coming out of the you know, so the, so Leatherface is looking over this body of water. Uh-huh. You see this chain, uh-huh. yeah, this lake. You see this chainsaw come <laughs> rising out of the water with a woman's hand throwing it in the air like like Excalibur, like what? like the lady in the lake. Yeah, real. exactly. And then like. And then, like, lightning strikes, and the Leatherface <laughs> catches the chainsaw and spins around. You see it's Leatherface. And there's like, what? Leatherface, Section Chainsaw Massacre 3. <laughs> it is the craziest, weirdest little teaser oh trailer God. in history. It's awesome. That sounds yeah. amazing. I don't remember that in the movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just give it to him as a birthday present. Here's your birthday present. It's Chainsaw. That yeah. sounds like the start of an awesome music video. Oh, yeah. It should make mm, it. That was the 80s, Terry. Well, but yeah. that, yeah, it's that's totally eighty. So, yeah, I need to get my hands on this one, especially because it has Viggo Mortensen, and I didn't realize that until, uh-huh. yeah, like now. Um, yeah, and it's got Ken Forey in it too. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why I haven't seen this one. It, um, yeah, it didn't perform well when it first came out. It got rushed out. It got, like, recut. The studio recut it. I think the studio even... I think they fired Jeff Burr and hired another director to do some reshoots on it as well. And I can't remember if the DVD has some of the deleted scenes on it and the alternate ending, which I think is better than the final product. But I I still... I love this movie. It's awesome a lot of fun it's it's too bad though because i also i I love jeff burr and this kind of ruined hollywood for jeff burr um he never i mean he's still he's still a filmmaker still makes movies and stuff it doesn't really feel like he's ever truly recovered from from the way he was treated with texas chance of massacre part three but yeah so awesome oh Sorry, Jason's surfing on stuff on the internet again. It's distracting me. Shiny lights in front of my face. Um, yeah, what else can I say about this one? Um, it's 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 interesting because they almost tried again. Well, it really feels like when they made this one, they're trying to make it more of a sequel to the original movie and skipping over part two. Because again, but but without coming right out and saying it, it's just got nuances like. You know, they find a body pit that's kind of that's that's kind of reminiscent of like the cemetery scene in the beginning of the original movie. Um, they and then there's just so many family members in this movie. 
so many family members. I, I can't even count. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. And a lot, again, of like the whole thing. I think this is the movie that really started the trend of... Well, I guess the original movie started it with The Hitchhiker. But of like, hey, we, we come across this character who seems all innocent and everything. And it turns out it's just another member of this crazy-ass family. So... Um, now here's the th- here's a question I have for you, Jason, and hopefully you remember enough about the movie. <clears throat> but do you remember the the greatest character in this movie besides Leatherface is the gas station attendant because he had a ton of fucking crazy ass lines. We used to quote it all the time in high school. Um, he, he's walking through the woods carrying body parts, and he's like. Start singing this little song. Goddamn motherfucker, don't tell me what I should do. We used to sing that all the time. Anyway, you're shaking your head because you don't remember. So, I won't ask the question. But I've always been curious. You never see him with any of the other family. He's just always on his own. When he's at the gas station. And he gets into it with Vigo. But you are led to believe that that was kind of premeditated. Um... And then, uh, and then when he's in the woods later disposing of body parts, it's just him. So he's never seen with any of the other family members. So I, it's always kind of been left ambiguous if if he is truly a member of this family or if this is just another Texas nut. So I don't know. But um, oh, Leatherface has a daughter in this movie, Terry. What's cool? Yeah. Um, trying to remember what other movie that little girl is in, though. I know she's done something else around that time frame. Anyway. So that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3. Excuse me. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3. Yep. So good. Mm-hmm. So is family. The saw is family. Let's clear off this mantle. I think you're right. Just, uh, that would be so freaking cool, how though. Freaking cool would that be? There's got to be. There's. I got to try to think of a way of 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 making a fake one. Yeah. Like even if it's out of cardboard or something, it would be fucking cool. Did I you might get have the, made one. What's that? I think I made a. Now that you said it, oh, I think yeah. I made a fake saw's family one. But try to the spiky things. Yeah. And, try to replicate it. Exact of the movie. Nice. Now going backwards again to another one of my favorites in the franchise, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two, which is the unsequel. Also supposed to sort of kind of a sequel to the first movie, and actually even directed by Toby Hooper. Comedy remake. Yes. But it is definitely played more of a comedy version or a satire, if you will, of the original film. That they were really um, were going for more of a satirical approach with part two. Terry, have you seen part two? Yes. What are your thoughts on it? It was a lot of fun. The whole um, weird, like chainsaw rape scene well <laughs> it wasn't actual rape but very implied rape mm-hmm. in the uh radio station scene that uh-huh. was special oh yeah it was hot 
I mean, it was hilarious, but <laughs> weird. Yes, very weird. It was, it was a lot of fun. I, I really like Dennis Hopper in this. I think my favorite thing is really just the Breakfast Club theme poster. Like, that's <laughs> one of my favorite things from this movie. Like, that's just such a good poster. <laughs> it is a good poster. And what what I love about it is that it brings back Jim Sidow, who played the cook in the first movie. So he's back as the cook in the second movie. And I love how they do things like now this family is 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 famous for their chili recipe and stuff, which obviously they're using human meat in their chili, right. and that's the secret recipe, which is hilarious. You know, Dennis Hopper playing a character who's just as crazy, if not crazier, than freaking the than the Chainsaw Family. You know, you even get the little nod to the first film where Dennis Hopper comes across um, the skeleton in the wheelchair of Franklin. Yeah. While they're in the uh, very Alice Alice in Wonderland esque world of the uh, the Chainsaw Family domain. Yeah. But you know this movie was intended for comedy, just based on Dennis Hopper Dennis Hopper's character alone. Do you know his name is in this movie, Terry? Mm, I don't recall. He, I don't remember his first name, but the last name of the character in the movie is called Enright. And you remember what his nickname is in this movie? What everybody called him in this movie? Lefty. Yep. <laughs> He's Lefty Enright. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. That is awesome. Love that sounds it. like a Mike character name. <laughs> this may have been the movie that inspired me <laughs> to come up with terrible names for my characters. can't forget uh chop top either i mean he's so great bill mosley what's what's crazy is like his character's become so synonymous and so like you know famous his character his 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 character and the fame of that character has surpassed the movie itself yeah yeah because he's like a little bit yeah which is awesome, you know, and it was a movie that really launched launched a career for Bill Mosley, and who's basically doing his oppression of the hitchhiker from the first movie. Yeah. Just amplified. You know, those scenes in the freaking radio station, oh, they're so dark and twisted and hilarious all at the same time. Again, this is a movie that me and my high school buddies would quote, quote constantly. Constantly. Nomland, Nomland. <laughs> you know, in a Vita de Gata, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this one has the the sweet um, bridge chase scene, like at the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, with the while they're on the radio. With the fifty mile long bridge, yeah. That chase. And the original <laughs> hitchhiker. With the original Hitchhiker. Yeah, did you know that, Terry? Because it never comes out and says it in the movie. But that, that 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 dead body they carry around with them for the whole movie, that Leatherface is, Leatherface is using as a as a mask or a protection or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, they're on the, on the bridge. That is supposed to be the Hitchhiker character from the first movie. That's what? the Hitchhiker character's body in yeah. the first movie. Yeah. 
That's crazy. So if you go back and watch it, it's dressed the same as the Hitchhiker, and it even has the little Hitchhiker's little hit pack on the side. What? Mm -hmm. That's some fun trivia right there. Yep, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you did it. You've been carrying that nugget around for all these years, so... And his I'm glad nick- you get to tell. And his nickname, the dead body's nickname. I love how the the dead body has a nickname in the movie. <laughs> the nickname is Nubbins. They call him Nubbins to the whole Nubbins. movie, too. <laughs> in high school, I made my own Nubbins out of, like, you know, of like newspaper and pantyhose. and Called him Nubbins. And called him Nubbins, yeah. It was horrible looking. It was so dumb. I don't know why they let you get away with so much. <laughs> so much blatant ripping off. I mean, tribute. Do what now? Tribute. Yeah. Oh, man. <coughs> Anything else anybody else has to say about part two? Uh, What's Her Sugar Tits is really awesome in it. Um, what's Her Sugar Tits? I yeah, met her, her name? and she's really cool. Caroline, Caroline Williams. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's really nice. And she's awesome in that movie. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she's really good. If Justin was here, he'd mention the soundtrack. It's kind mm-hmm. of an amazing soundtrack. One of the best horror movie rock soundtracks of all time. Kind of new wavy punk songs uh-huh. on it. I have it. I love it. Got uh, probably my favorite... Um, uh, Oingo Boingo song on it. I think it's even better and more Halloweeny feel than um, Dead Men's Party. Such a good song. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the whole franchise backwards. We know since of going back into one, we started with that. Yep. Any final thoughts on uh, Texas Chainsaw? Uh, it's my favorite horror movie of all time. Sweet. <laughs> okay, so cool. Um, with that said, why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we'll do some segments. All right, we'll be back back. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight, and we hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Hey everybody, this is Wayne. This is Zip. Lori. Brian. Doug. And we're the Necronomicast, a weekly horror podcast brought to you by us, horror fans for you, horror fans. We talk about movies, books, celebrity interviews, your mom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you want me to say. (laughs) Necronomicast. Uh, We also talk about streaming movies, new movies, as well as news in horror. And that's just a sample of what you'll get on the Necronomicast. <laughs> Do we say horror movies? <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com. Also visit us on Facebook. And on iTunes and all that. Necronomicast. Uh, we'll scare the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com. 
for more madness and horror and blood. We're good. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> and we're back. We're back. Yeah. Forever. Oh, man. Such a long-ass break. So, Terry, why don't you delight us with some wicked words? Wicked words with where, Terry? Wicked words with where, Terry? Well, with us just getting past Halloween season, I'm a little behind on my reading, but I still have something for you because I'm awesome. Yeah. We, I, I was just, I'm so excited because just in the past couple of weeks, Stephen King released yet another book. And so I kind of decided to recap you on his recent releases from the past couple of years, just because he's really been cranking them out, and they haven't really been getting a lot of notoriety. Uh, so if you weren't aware of these, these are some of his recent books, and I'll give you a little lowdown on them here. Um, let's see. Joyland. I haven't read this one. Um, it's kind of a carnival novel um set in the 70s looks kind of fun has some good reviews don't know too terribly much about that one but then shortly after that he released doctor sleep and i'm dying to read this one this is the one i may have mentioned before is a sequel to the shining which with stephen king's books it's kind of it was sort of a new standard because he really doesn't do much in the way of series. Like he has the dark tower series, but pretty much everything else is standalone. And so for him to make a sequel to something was like, what? Oh my God. Um, but the story sounds kind of interesting. Uh, it follows Danny who now is Dan because he's a middle-aged man. Um, but it's basically he is trying to climb out of the shadow of his crazy dad. Um, and so he's using what's left of his shining powers to comfort dying people in a nursing home. And so that's why he's called Dr. Sleep, because he's helping them rest, I guess. Makes sense. Uh, but then there's this whole other story about he's helping this other girl who has shining abilities to um, avoid this tribe of people called the True Knot that they basically feed on children that have the shining ability and they're trying to track this girl down. And so Dan, Dan is coming to the rescue to save this girl. I'm so excited to read it. <laughs> like, so excited. I don't know, I haven't heard anything about a film adaptation or anything of that, but I'm sure that there will be at some point. But Then, um, another one is uh, called Revival, came out this past year. Um, 
don't know too much about that. It's kind of about a minister. It sounds more like one of his dramatic works, you know, something more along the lines of Green Mile or something like that. Not quite as horror-ish, but sounds pretty awesome. And then I was just talking about series, and he has this whole brand spanking new series. Um, It's a trilogy following a detective, Bill Hodges, um, which is kind of weird because you don't really get many detectives like detective e stories with Stephen King. So I'm kind of intrigued by this and want to dive into him. The, um, the first one was Mr. Mercedes um, titled because it's basically the story of Bill Hodges, this detective tracking down this killer who is driving. He's like murdering people with the Mercedes, like he's running them over and murdering them. Um, but then Finders Keepers is the second one in that, which just came out probably within the last couple of months. And the third and final book is called uh, End of Watch, and that's due out next year. And this one allegedly has been pegged for a, a limited TV series, so that should be awesome. I need to read those books now. Um but the one that I'm most excited about and got me to, to even looking into all of these was the one that just came out. It's called The Bazaar of Bad Dreams. And this one is another short story anthology, which is awesome. Because he hasn't... His last one was called Full Dark, No Stars, and that was in 2010. So it's been a little while, not too long. But his short stories are so good so I'm really I wish I would have had time to try to read a couple of shorts from that and talk about them but all in good time I will I will get to those but yeah catch up on your Stephen King because he's cranking them out pretty quickly these days that's awesome sure. I'm glad the old Heck man's yeah. still doing it oh yeah it gives you hope Mike you can still be creative all the way (laughs) I mean once you finally get old which isn't right now alright you're treading thin there for a second (laughs) don't look at my hair I didn't yo fuck you you said (laughs) you said you (laughs) anyway uh, let's uh Move right along to everyone's favorite segment, Insane's Picks. Oh, I've worked so hard on this uh, particular episode of Insane's Picks. Uh-huh. Spent weeks rewatching the movie, doing research. On a don't you dare. <laughs> Alright, yes, I did just happen to um, flip open my book and land on a page. But it's relevant to this episode, the movie I did pick for this one. Um, it's the movie, 1981 movie, The Last Horror Film. Now, why is it relevant to this episode? Because um, do, doing actual real work for this episode, when I was researching stuff about Gunnar Hansen, 
back in 2005, he was working on developing a remake of this particular film. So that had been really cool. But, and here's why. Because the last horror film stars Joe Spinell. All you horror fans out there know Joe Spinell as the maniac from the movie Maniac. maniac. <laughs> uh, and um, So the idea of Gunnar Hansen, I don't know if he was planning on playing the part, I just imagine he was, but uh, seeing him stepping into Joe Spinell's shoes for this role would have been awesome. Now, his character in this, obviously he is, he is kind of, he's kind of the protagonist and antagonist. It's much like in Maniac, where the movie centers around him, but he's also kind of like this crazy stalker guy. Um, but not as menacing as he is in Maniac. He's a little bit more... You know, a little bit more crazy and silly in this one uh, than he is in Maniac. And what's also interesting about this and tying it to Maniac is that this movie also stars um, uh, uh, Carolyn Monroe, who was the girl of Joe Spinell's affection in Maniac as well. So that's pretty cool. They kind of, you know, did two two horror films back-to-back with each other. So uh, Joe Spinell plays this character who um, is, is... a film freak, a film fanatic, totally obsessed, and he wants to make his own movie called The Loves of Dracula. And he wants to make this movie at the Cannes Film Festival back in 1981. Um, <clears throat> and he's kind of a recluse, lives at home with his mother and stuff, and he is obsessed with horror icon Carolyn Monroe, who's playing this actress, Jenna Bates, who is also in this fantasy world of this movie, um... A horror icon. So he stalks her and tracks her down at the Cannes Film Festival and kind of like forces her to be in his horror movie. And things go a little bit too far. So it's a silly movie, it's crazy, and it has kind of a, um, almost of a, what's, what's unique about this film, it's, it's one of those, it kind of reminds me a little bit of maybe like Wes Craven's New Nightmare where it really blends the line of reality and fiction. Because they shot this movie at the Cannes Film Festival while Cannes Film Festival was going on. So they guerrilla styled shooting this movie around the real film festival, and that being a major plot point of this film festival. Um, Carolyn Monroe playing an actress much of the same caliber of what Carolyn Monroe actually is in real life. And her husband in the movie is played by her real-life husband. And Joe Spinell has this, like, silly, kooky, comical, like, mother character in the movie. Like, the cigarette-smoking, hacking, coffin uh, mother. Played by Joe Spinell's real mother. So, it's a very odd film. Very interesting. Um, I would definitely say way ahead of its time for 1981. It's really cool seeing him kind of go around the... The Cannes Film Festival at the time, you see big marquees for movies that are playing at Cannes, like um, John Waters' Polyester and uh, Cannibal Holocaust. So it's that's really really neat. So if you could find it, it's kind of hard to find. I don't know if it's ever had like a decent um, Blu-ray release. My God, I don't even know if it's had a DVD release to be honest. But if you could find it, definitely check it out. 1981, the last horror film. All right, nice. So there you have it, folks. That's another episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, 
again, it's a bummer, you know, to lose Gunnar Hansen. We wanted to have more of a celebration than a mourning with this episode, and hopefully we accomplish that. Um, but thanks again for listening. Thanks, everybody, for being on. And uh, we will talk to you next time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, no, could this be the end of? Attack of the Killer Podcast.